Welcome again to another conservative historian podcast. This one entitled Vive la Revolution. September 2020. My name is Bell Avis. Quote, there is only one cure for gray hair. A Frenchman invented it. It is called the guillotine. Unquote. P.J. Wodehouse. On August 28th, 2020, townhall.com ran the following article entitled Demonstrators Put Trump Effigy in a Guillotine Outside the White House, written by Leah Barkokas. The report notes, quote, as the last night of the Republican National Convention was held outside the White House Thursday night, protesters marched through the streets calling for revolution, violent Black Lives Matter mobs chased down GOP lawmakers and attendees. And at one point, demonstrators also put up an effigy of President Trump in a guillotine. Off with his head, one protester is heard saying, unquote. Because these are equal opportunity Robespierre reign of terror wannabes, they also brought a guillotine to Jeff Bezos's house. This approach makes perfect sense. Bezos has created hundreds of thousands of jobs. His e-commerce platform has revolutionized the purchase of products and is gladly embraced and used by billions. He is liberal and saved the progressive Washington Post from bankruptcy, supporting leftist opinion writers such as Dana Milbank and E.G. Dionne. It also helps never-Trumpers such as George Will and Jennifer Rubin. But Bezos is successful and wealthy and white, and some of his employees only make minimum wage. So, off of a cete a viva revolution. Before you can Google the word ironic, a few descriptions of the last time a head of state encountered this chopping fate. A description of the principal reign of terror figure is from the website History Crunch. Quote, the famous revolutionary Maximilian Robespierre commented that, Louis must die so the nation may live. Louis's punishment was death, and on, October, and on January 21st, 1793, he was beheaded by a guillotine. His final words were said to be, I pardon those who are the cause of my death and declare myself innocent of all of the charges brought against me. The French monarchy, which had lasted for over a thousand years, was over. Unquote. Apparently, Robespierre felt that a few more deaths were warranted so that others might live. Between 1793 and 1795, after which saw the rise of totalitarian Napoleon Bonaparte, at least 300,000 suspects were arrested. 17,000 were officially executed, and perhaps another 10,000 died in prison or on trial. According to Britannica.com, quote, the Committee of Public Safety, of which Maximilian Robespierre was the most prominent member, exercised virtual dictatorial control over the French government. In the spring of 1794, it eliminated its enemies to the left and to the right, including George Danton. Still uncertain of its position, the committee obtained the Law of 22 Prairial, Year 2, which was actually June 10th, 1794, which suspended a suspect's right to public trial and suspended a suspect's right to legal assistance 
and left the jury a choice only of acquittal or death. Unquote. Revolutionary indeed. In his diary, Robespierre noted that what was needed was un volonté une, or one single will. And this dictatorial power was to characterize the revolutionary government. Its essential organs had been created, and he set himself to make them work, especially the aforementioned Committee on Public Safety. Though Orwell lived almost 150 years later, I think he would enjoy the concept of a committee of public safety that was dedicated to the execution of its own citizens. Later, reflecting on the French Revolution, in 1856, noted French writer Alexei de Tocqueville stated, quote, When I came to gather all of the individual wishes with a sense of terror, I realized that their demands were for the wholesale and systematic abolition of all the laws and all the current practices in the country. Straight away, I saw that the issue here was one of the most extensive and dangerous revolutions ever observed in the world, unquote. In other words, this revolution went against the ideals of that across the Atlantic. Governmental suzerainty and will over the people, suspension of individual rights, and no justice. The French Revolution stood for everything that in 1776 and 1787 was rejected by the American Revolution. Let's be clear on the nature of our 2020 D.C. protesters. They are not the peasants in the revolt of 1381 during the reign of Richard II, or a later rebellion occurring in 15th century England. These were uneducated people who were essentially being taxed into starvation. It is doubtful that the mob confronting Richard at Smithfield sported expensive Lululemon wear, or that Watt Tyler was clad in $140 stonewashed jeans and designer t-shirts. These protesters in D.C. are not even the French revolutionists. Though the leadership was educated, the Paris mob was not. Our American protesters are roughly 95% high school graduates, and the vast majority would have had some college education. Many have graduate degrees. They are probably some of the country's best educated people. Well, and therein may lie part of the problem. Look at Black Lives Matter's organization's leadership itself. Pratice Colors is a best-selling author and faculty director at Arizona's Prescott College. The real question is, how could a group of protesters so blithely use a guillotine as a form of protest and be so woefully oblivious of the historical context? So either our D.C. protesters are entirely ignorant of 18th century events and their outcomes, hint, reign of terror, or worse, they are well aware of the historical precedents. Additionally, unlike, say, the Nat Turner Slave Rebellion, much of the current protest movement is about historical grievances accumulated over centuries. Ostensibly, it is about police killings, but the language and the framework continuously cite slavery, eliminated over 150 years ago, and Jim Crow, which ended more than five decades ago. The famed 1619 Project uses history to inform about inequalities today. Claim you are from Wisconsin, 
and your ancestors arrived in 1934. Too bad. It's the system, stupid. And as a white person, you are part of the system and therefore responsible for the actions of an 1820s slaveholder, or some such thinking. Yet, since this group in D.C. is using a guillotine, the assumption must be that they are aware of late 18th century French history and are embracing it. In a terrific piece in National Review by John G. Hagen Jr. entitled The Gospel of Jean-Jacques, the author describes the French Revolution from the perspective of 18th century author Thomas Carlyle. It is Hagen's contention, of which this author agrees, that ethos governing the direction of the French Revolution and influencing even the left of today began with Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Quote, a central theme of Carlyle's narrative is the gospel of Jean-Jacques. Jean-Jacques Rousseau, author of The Social Contract and other utopian works. Rousseau is the leading spirit of the cultural left in our time, as in his. He also voiced the great paradox of the left, libertarian selfism and morals combined with coercive, collectivist statism in all political arrangements, unquote. In other words, Cardi B's WAP video is female empowerment or girls just being girls. But if you wish to arrange, let's say, flowers for a living, you need a license issued by the state. In the one case, a person is empowered, and in another case, they are put into the very chains upon which Jean-Jacques famously said that humanity was living within. Here is a quote from the man himself. Quote, the first person who, having enclosed a plot of land, took it into his head to say, this is mine, and found people simple enough to believe him, was the true founder of civil society. Do not listen to this imposter. You are lost if you forget that the fruits of the earth belong to all and the earth to no one. Unquote. Under Rousseau's vision, there is no private property or property rights. The work of an individual does not belong to that individual, but rather to all. From this concept, there is a direct line through the French, Russian, and Chinese revolutions. Marxism and communism and a hundred million deaths in the 20th century run back to this vision that the fruits of one labors belong to all. And there's another little insidious piece within the Rousseau quote. Found people simple enough to believe him. One of the great hallmarks of the left is, is that people are not capable of individual choice or agency, but rather must be governed, must be led, must be shepherded like sheep. As far as the French Revolution is concerned, Hagen notes, quote, Meanwhile, the collectivist strain of Jean-Jacques' gospel goes from strength to strength. It inspires progressivism, unburdened by any wariness of the will to power and human corruptibility. Utopian calls for mass mobilization, think a Green New Deal, Medicare for all, free college for all, a guaranteed minimum income, social workers replacing police forces, and on and on, ride on a sense of the general will. And that sense of the general will finds unprecedented expression in social media. Emotive tweetings to legions of followers, instant consensus, and the merciless suppression of dissent. 
Our internet postings resemble the placards flung up each morning on Parisian walls. Our Twitter mobs translated now into street mobs. Again, those guillotine-wielding D.C. protesters resonate with a punitive rage suggestive of the French Revolution, unquote. Robespierre, unlike his historical successors such as Lenin, Stalin, Mao, Castro, and Chavez, forgot one of the cardinal rules of Dictator 101, own the army. In 1794, Robespierre experienced the fate that he had meted out to so many others. He was guillotined, sparking the phrase that the revolution eats their own. The rogues gallery of bloodthirsty Marxist dictators mentioned above notwithstanding. In 2020, people from both sides of the political divide rightly denigrate fascism. Yet no protester would build a faux oven and imply they were putting a politician inside per the Holocaust. Yet Jacobin symbiology persists. In fact, there isn't even a magazine called The Jacobin, of which stated the following about the reaction to the French Revolution written by author Jonah Walters. Quote, The forces of property were unwilling to stand idly by as their enormous privileges were threatened. They attempted to undo all the radical changes brought on by the revolution and restore the old social hierarchies, even as the revolutionaries worked to cohere an entirely different kind of society based on more egalitarian ideals. From this unstable crucible ultimately emerged Napoleon, who would construct the Bonapartist state through war and empire, ultimately leading to France's renewed subjugation by Europe's old powers and the restoration of monarchy, unquote. This description in the Jacobin you know, leaves a few things out, including the restoration of monarchy. If Napoleon, Napoleon I, emperor of the French, was not monarchy, I'm not really sure what that was. Additionally, Bonaparte invaded Austria, Spain, Prussia, Holland, Italy, Portugal, and Russia. Accommodation of the old powers with Bonapartist France was made in the 1804 Peace of Amiens, and it was the ambition of Napoleon that broke it. Millions died in the Napoleonic Wars, but without the French Revolution, there would have been no Napoleon. This justification is but one example of how extreme leftist ideologies, such as Marxism, are continued and even celebrated where radical rightist ideologies are universally and appropriately condemned. Now, this is not a full-throated defense of Louis XVI and Bourbon government. France in 1789 was virtually broke and experiencing an agrarian crisis that led to near famine. The average lifespan of a French person in that year was around 41 years. Bourbon France may have been better than some other places globally, but not a place that a sentient 21st century American would want to live, even in Versailles. The difference is that a 21st century American, even an African American, would have almost no other place better than the United States to live in in 2020. Now, of course, not all agree with that statement. LeBron James, a man who makes his living putting a rubber ball into an iron hoop to entertain fellow human beings, stated, quote, but we are scared as black people in America, black men, black women, black kids. We are terrified, unquote. LeBron James went directly from high school to the NBA, where his 
terror includes nearly a half a billion dollars in income, several mansions, including one in a gated community in Bel Air, California, with a pretty sweet pool. I know this because he put it out on Instagram. Without that college education, LeBron may not be aware of the reign of terror emanated from the French Revolution. If he did, he might not be quite so quick to fan the flames and drive the type of protests that might trade in fake guillotines for real ones. That step is never that far away. And for those who think they will be pulling the cord, need to learn a little bit more about Danton, Hébert, Brissot, and Bernard. Revolutionaries all, leaders of the overthrow of the monarchy, and all of them led to the guillotine by the likes of, again, the Committee of Public Safety. As the blade descended upon their necks in their thousands, they knew what real terror was all about. The fact that protesters would use a guillotine, either unknowingly or even knowingly, is either encouraging that at least they're getting some kind of history or terrifying in that they are learning all of the wrong lessons. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast and encourage you to go to www.conservativehistorian.com for more of this content. We have columns. We've got book reviews. We even have academia stories about just how crazy college really is. And I don't mean about uh, all-night keggers. So please visit the website and keep an eye out for our new book, Conservative Historian, that is coming to you in October of 2020. This is Bell Avis. Thank you.